0: That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We are all entitled to
1: sexual health just as much as physical and mental health. everyone scott hansen here from nfl red zone i hope you're checking out one hour of five yard rush one of the best podcasts on nfl football in the uk yo what's happening rush Nation? it is thursday it's mirth here on my own um wanted to get something out this week because uh stocks and had a bit of a scheduling week uh difficulty so it's been a bit difficult to get everything out like like we normally would and uh i've done an episode earlier in the week but just wasn't able to to get it happening there's a few things going on on my side a few things going on on stocks's side um line is all is good and there's nothing bad or anything like that going on it's just obviously one of those things sometimes time just makes it very difficult especially in this remote pandemic world sometimes things get a little bit hectic but i wanted to get um something out today just to talk a little bit about couple of things going on with the nfl draft and get people up to speed um and then talk about a project i've been working on and uh something i think is going to have a lot of value for your drafts coming up and to talk about uh some of the findings that that we have in in there so um a little bit about the uh, nfl draft process we are in draft month now and i know that the peak is is approaching people are at their highest point of engagement with the nfl draft moth drafts flying everywhere uh, etc and you know the one thing that's uh i guess grinding my gears a little bit and i wanted to get on and explain something because i think a lot of people probably aren't quite in the loop of this is about pro days um and in particular some of the things that happen in in pro days now you might if you listen to the five year college podcast you talk about tom tom tells you how much he disliked pro days and i'm very much in in that camp um pro days are basically like scripted workouts so there's there's not much going on in a pro day that you're going to learn a lot of or about um very rarely you will get a prospect where you will get some things from their pro day um last season for example justin herbert i found his combine his pro day very interesting because he displayed a set of skills with his footwork that he didn't display too much on tape and that's where the coaching in the scheme of Oregon is very different. And so there were some certain concerns about mobility throwing on the run because he'd never ever had to demonstrate that. So could he do it? And then that's where the pro day is somewhat valuable. You have to take it with a pinch of salt, but as I was watching him work his drills at the combine and work his drills at his pro day, he showed a lot more athleticism than you see on the tape and yes okay with a pro day and this is very true everything's scripted it's it's set for the best uh, available conditions for the person participating in the pro day all the people participating in the pro day but there's still certain things that if you've never seen them before and then you see someone do them in a pro day it makes you think okay they can do that and that was true of justin herbert i wanted to see some things from trey lance with his progressions if you listen to matt waldman um you would learn that trey lance progresses by Looking for the short passes first, and then the deep ball second, which is uh, contrary to what you would see um, with other quarterbacks, and that's because of the system he's facing. Um, and I would have liked to see his pro day examples where he could have shown that tendency to look and throw the deep ball first in multiple receiver sets. Obviously, it's very different because there's no O line; he's not going to get tackled, but. You didn't really see that as much. I didn't get as much out of Lance's Pro Day as I would have liked. But again, I go back to this point, and this is really important, that the Pro Days are designed to highlight the skills of the athlete, and they're given the best available conditions to them where possible. And this is why it's very, very important to understand that the schools, is hosted most of the time by the schools, and as a result, they have an invested interest to ensure that the athletes perform to the best of their abilities so that they continue to get drafted high so that they continue to get new recruits additional funding tv money all those sorts of things there is an interest in schools having athletes go higher in the draft and that is why they put on the best available conditions possible now this leads me on to the 40 times people need to stop getting really excited about 40 times especially this year the 40 times are at a combine which is where they're normally taken from are in a controlled environment where it's the exact same conditions for every single athlete they run on the same stretch of track with the same shoes well similar shoes but to the same degree of standard but they run on the same track uh, with the same measure distance and then what's really important is that there is a laser timed gate that is used to clock the time and then what they do is after that they go back and watch the tape to make sure the exact microsecond that the athlete's foot lifts off the ground to start the run and the exact microsecond that they cross the line and that is where you get the accurate 40 yard dash time and that is why with the combine those 40 yard times are effectively gospel they were run in a environment that was exactly the same for every athlete that ran there was no weather conditions there was no Um, different conditions for different people but more importantly they've taken the exact frame from start to finish and that is why the 40 times at the combine are as good as a 40 time you're going to get and that is why you know for those that care about 40 times why those conditions are important in these pro days the 40 time is determined through human stopwatch more importantly to remove as much bias as possible it's an aggregated stopwatch approach so it's not one person it's multiple people and what they do is that they combine those times or average them out and then get an average and that is what the unofficial pro time or pro day time is now why that is important you think well okay that sounds like that's fair and you know it is for intensive purposes but they don't use laser gates and they do not go back and review the tape so they do not look at the tape and are able to capture the exact microsecond that that person lifts off the ground and the exact moment that they uh, finish and cross the finish line. So why that is important is that if you listen to experts, and um, my research comes from Matt Kelly, is that the pro day times tend to be on average somewhere in the region of 0.05 seconds to 0.1 second faster on pro days than what you will see at the combine so you know great message came out yesterday you know uh, kyle pitts ran a uh, faster 40 time than darren waller uh and, and of any other tight end i can't remember the exact context but he posted his 40 yard dash time and posted it and said he was faster than darren waller by 0.03 seconds you think okay that's that's interesting but then you realize they took darren waller's combine time and they've taken Carl Pitts' pro day time. So actually, when you look at that, it's actually not true. You need to add the human element of actually seeing someone run to them actually running. And then you also need to factor in the conditions that they run in. Carl Pitts ran in favorable conditions for him. Other athletes have run in different conditions, depending on what types of schools they go to, indoor versus outdoor facilities, different wind, temperature controls, all those sorts of things. And if you don't believe me, always look at. There's two things here to consider. The first is that uh, you'll always run quicker indoors than outdoors because there's less artificial element conditions to uh, consider. Uh, unless, of course, you've got a uh, outdoor and the wind is in your favour, then you will run faster. And if you think, and if you, you doubt this, at the Olympics you have to be within a certain wind tolerance outside in order for the world record time to be accepted. Because you could be running outdoors and running um, with the headwind behind you, so therefore you're getting a wind assistance run, which over forty yards isn't huge, but it it can add microseconds, it could add hundreds of a seconds or thousands of a second to your time. So, you know, these are all sorts of things, and that is why the the part that isn't get reported all that often for the forty times is. There should be a U next to the time. And that says it's basically unverified, I'm, unreported. Uh, I'm, I'm it's not an official 40-yard time because the conditions haven't been met. So don't worry about the 40-yard times. People aren't running faster. We haven't got a super freakish list of athletes this year. The 40-yard times should, in all theory, just basically be disregarded. Or if you're going to use them, add that tolerance of five one-hundredths to one one-tenth of a second onto the pro- onto the times. And that will give you a better sense of, of what they're actually running in comparison to, to previous years, so that's not to say that you know some of the times we've seen aren't impressive. But add that element of tolerance to the number; it's not exact. The correct, you know, uh, Usain Bolt has run faster than nine point five nine seconds in his career, but the reason why nine point five nine seconds is the world record is because that was set in the conditions that were accepted in order for the world record to be accepted as the time. That is really, really important. And that seems like a minor thing. It's like, why are you getting so upset about this man? It's because it literally is being reported every. Oh my god, this person so fast. No, it's not. It really isn't. Ignore the forty yard times. Ignore the conditions are set to be the best for the athlete, and less so for you know the consistency across everyone. Everyone is running in different stadiums, in different apparatus, uh, in different parts of the country. <laughs> you know. It is impossible to compare people's 40-yard times. It's just absolutely impossible. And that is why we have an NFL combine. And that is why we will have an NFL combine next year. So just keep that in mind when you're thinking and seeing all these things going around. Uh, Next thing to uh, talk about is the NFL draft. So, you know, big trades last week. uh, San Francisco moved up to three. The Dolphins Uh, went from 3 to 12 and then back up to 6, and the Eagles moved down to 12. You know, Draft picks were swapped. Um, San Francisco, at the bottom line, have invested all of this capital to get a quarterback. Uh, Miami have put themselves in a position to still get one of the best weapons in the draft that isn't the quarterback clearly behind Tua. And Philadelphia clearly building for next year, realizing that they're probably not going to compete in 2021, so they need to give themselves the best available options moving forward to get more additional pieces. And if they can get themselves... You know, Micah Parsons at 12, then that's going to be a great result. Autumn awesome line play. They're going to get uh, a decent defensive line, offensive line piece, or, or uh, a speed linebacker like Parsons at 12, then you know, that, that's going to be where they go um, in the draft and, and, and benefit them moving forward, and then they can get more additional pieces. Now, what does all this mean? A number of things. So we've had a few interviews over the last few days that are worth considering. The first is um, Urban Meyer spoke to Peter King, and he basically went as far as anyone could go to say that he's going to select uh, Trevor Lawrence at one. Now, obviously, he said, that's the way we're leaning. It's down to ownership, blah, 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 You know, he's saying all the things that he effectively has to say to the NFL and to NFL reporters because he cannot, it's not in the interest of the NFL to have Urban Meyer come out and say that we are selecting Trevor Lawrence as the the 101 um, and therefore giving advantage to uh, other people in the draft world, you know even though we all know it and it's the worst kept secret Trevor Lawrence is going to be the one-on-one. Now the thing that I got out of that in- that interview specifically, and you should go and find Peter King's podcast and, and listen to it more than anything. He, he spouts about a load of things and I'm not a big, of my fan, but he talked about being as close to Trevor Lawrence as possible to hear how the ball comes out of his hand, why it was important to go to his pro day to see all the things that he wanted to see firsthand at the pro day. And so this leads me to San Francisco and then I'll come back to talk about the second pick with the Jets. What was interesting is that Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch decided to not go to Justin Fields' uh, pro day and went instead to Mac Jones. And this has led to all the speculation that Mac Jones is going to be the third pick. That You should be starting to believe that Mac Jones is going to be the third pick. And there's a few different reasons you need to be thinking this. First of all, the fact that Carl Shallan went to the pro day. We've I just mentioned that, you know, Urban Meyer went to Trevor Lawrence's pro day. You know, you are not going to draft a quarterback you've never met. You're not going to draft a quarterback you've never seen throw live in person. Going to Mac Jones's pro day says that he is and we need to see the other pro days. But it says to me Justin Fields is not going to be pick the pickup three. So instead, what you know is that it's leaning towards Mac Jones. Could it be Trey Lance? I don't know if they went to Trey Lance's Pro Day. We can go and find that one out, I suppose, um, if they were there or not. But it will be, you know, I think you can feel pretty confident that Mac Jones is definitely in consideration. And if not, it's probably the most likely pick there at the three spot. The other thing that's really interesting is that I have some friends of mine that went to. Alabama um I know people that have been to the university and there's people who live in that region and I've listened to um experts beat writers who are you know near to the Alabama program follow the Alabama program and they speak very highly of Matt Jones I mean we're not talking about like a guy who didn't do anything his college career you know the guy won national title and before anyone says anyone could win national title with Alabama you know one that's not true and we've seen it but these guys talk about Mac Jones as if he's better than Tua. And that seems to be a very strong thing to say. But a lot of people really like Mac Jones uh, in Tuscaloosa. And that's the general sentiment is that this guy is highly popular. But a lot of people genuinely think from a footballing standpoint, this guy's better than Tua Tagovar in terms of his abilities, his ability to play the game. He's not the most mobile quarterback, but in terms of, his leadership skills, his character, his behavior, the way he carries himself. Mac Jones comes across as an exemplary prospect. So all these people say Mac Jones is being overdrafted. I, you know, I think I've said on here before I never felt he'd slide below eight. Um it doesn't shock me, he could go at the the 1.03, that he could be the third quarterback off the board. It doesn't shock me at all. And I think that it makes a lot of sense. And I think that. It's something that will probably happen. Now, then that leads to Jimmy G. I think it's a camp battle. It wouldn't shock me if Jimmy G started the season. It wouldn't shock me if Mac Jones started the season. I think it's see what happens in the offseason. If there's no offseason or there's restricted activities due to COVID, you could expect to see Jimmy G probably start the season. But what they need to do is build for the future, and it looks like that future is going to be Mac Jones, 49ers fans. So now let's talk about the 1.02, the second overall pick. And I was firmly of the belief that they were never taking quarterback here. And I have been four weeks, months. I thought, you've lost the first 14 games of the season. Why would you throw away Trevor Lawrence to then draft another quarterback? It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. And then listening to Michael Lombardi yesterday and in reading his column in the athletic has said to me that that is now no longer the case and that they are going quarterback now michael lombardi some people will love him some people will hate him but the one thing he does is is put it out there as to why he thinks what he thinks and he's very well plugged in to executives in the nfl he was an nfl executive it's not very difficult for him to get information that isn't available to other people in the NFL. And he has the information that says that Zach Wilson has been the pick for about a month. Um, That is what they've decided, that they didn't take any calls from the 49ers, didn't discuss a trade from two, that they are locked in and that they are in love with Zach Wilson. Now, there's been other reports over the last week have started to come out and say that this is the case, especially since the pro day. But, you know, it's interesting that Lombardi is specifically, not just mentioned last week, but he's saying, you know, for the last month, this this has been the case. I think that's quite extraordinary. And there's no reason to doubt him. It's what people have been thinking is going to happen anyway. It's now people in the last week or two since the pro day have started to, to put more and more. Jets organization was there in full force at Zach Wilson's pro day. So it looks like that one is going to happen. So now the real question is looks like the draft is going to start at four. People kept saying the draft is going to start at three. Nine has moved up. So it looks like the draft is going to be Lawrence, Wilson, Jones. First three quarterbacks off the board, going in the first three picks. And then we have to see what Atlanta do. Do they trade down? If they could get a ransom. Is it going to be the Patriots? I doubt it's going to be the Panthers. Um, that one's going to be really interesting. Do they go quarterback themselves? Justin Fields at four. Is it all of a sudden they're in this enviable position? It's going to be interesting, but I think now it really is a market for Justin Fields. Um, so watch your space to see what happens. So the last thing I'm going to go through today is I'm going to talk about, um, in particular, uh, a project I've been working on. And this has been a mock draft I've been doing. I say me. Actually, it, first of all, it's not a NFL mock draft. It's a fantasy mock draft. So I'd be very blessed to have 11 people who, you know, uh, what I'd call uh, expert rankers, people who do projections, people who do, uh, you know, fancy rankings and, um, you know, submit them to uh, fantasy pros or people who have written publications and, you know, very, very senior expert fantasy football uh, analysts um, join me in a committee where once a month, um, and these are guys, like uh, Drew Davenport, football guys, um, you know Bob Lung, um, in there. There's, there's so many so many guys uh, in there that are just absolutely brilliant and uh, have, have really been helping me out with this. And I thank all of them for this. Um, and they basically what we're doing is every 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 month, and we're gonna do this from January to uh, August, is do a mock draft every single month. Each person, each player drafts in the same position, so they draft in the same position uh, every month. And what they do is basically just draft in a standard redraft, one QB, sixteen round, uh, you know, four point PPR mock. And it's about consistency to see where people are moving, what's changing the uh, the market prices of people. Um, so for the first two months, it was just reaction of uh, post NFL season and post Super Bowl. And then March, we added rookies for the first time, even though they haven't been drafted. And obviously, we're then capturing what's going on in, in free agency. And then on top of that, I've been doing a second mock draft committee with some excellent guys um, who are basically just very, very good fantasy players that I know. Um, you got Peter Gent, who runs um, Shark Tank, who's an IDP league and also runs... Um, you know the Eurovision fancy football uh, divisions, and you've got a few few players that he plays with that are in there. Got Warrior Bowl, uh, Greg in there, a few other guys who've been playing in my in, in leagues for five and a half for years. Uh, that I trust in there. So it's a full range of people, but just expert. What I call for expert fancy players who perhaps don't do rankings and projections, but play a lot of fancy football and do a lot of drafts and are very very active fantasy players to get their perspective and don't exactly the same exercise. We all draft in the same. Um, spot same position and we go through and we draft and um, yeah it, it basically the same same, coincidence, same set of circumstances but I wanted to capture the essence of experts who do uh, projections and submit rankings and and you know paid professionals in the industry and people who are not but are avid and obsessive fantasy football players and what I've done is combined this and you know, Richard Price um, is someone who's helped me with this project as well. And he's been absolutely terrific in helping me put a sheet together. Um, and I'm, you know, forever in his debt um, for what he's been able to help me with this. It's a slightly complicated process, but we've ended up coming up with uh, some mock draft data. And in there, I did a five yard staff mock draft in, in January. And we've put that data in, in the January mock as well. Um, just to get an idea of what's going on in the world. And so we've entered this. And so I'm going to go through the players that are coming out in the first six rounds. And I think after that, then there's a lot more variance and tolerance that we can talk about later around steals. And I'll keep referring to this data throughout the offseason. But I want to um, talk about this now because some of you are thinking about startups in Dynasty. And listen, it's going to be very, very different because this is just a standard redraft Uh, League uh, or league format. But it gives you an idea on the type of prices for 2021, where people are valuing uh, everyone. So let's go with those that are being mocked uh, consistently in the first round. So, in the first round, um, the players being mocked consistently and have a a consistent first round uh, mock draft number are the following players. And I don't think there's going to be any shocks here. Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. They are the players consistently going uh, high in these drafts. And that is why they, they are where they are. Um what i find interesting about these is not necessarily these these i mean you know depending on the different drafts they're all you know relatively close the, pretty much the consensus here is is christian mccaffrey at the 101 uh although in one draft he's gone uh second overall in the non-expert draft three times in a row in the experts draft he's he's gone uh one overall sorry when i say experts not experts i mean uh, in terms of the ranking analysts and non-ranking analysts but then you've got, you know, Derek Henry's been consistently mocked top four. Saquon Barkley consistently mocked uh, top four. He's got fifth, actually, a couple of fifths. Um, so they're looking at and appearing to be, with Dalvin Cook, the consistent top four. So McCaffrey, Henry, Barkley, Cook seem to be the consensus top four. Alvin Kamara has taken a slide, although in the non-rankers mock, he's actually been taken first overall twice and third the other time. So uh, in the rankers mark, he's actually going around fifth or sixth. The interesting one is Jonathan Taylor. He's someone whose price seems to be, uh, his ADP seems to be going up, but he's consistently being mocked sort of in the second half of the first round. I've made my thoughts pretty clear on Jonathan Taylor and where I sit. I think it's probably a bit high for me. Uh, Nick Chubb is someone who's uh, consistently being mocked in the first round. Also Devontae Adams. I don't think there's anyone in here that's a major shock. People might think Kelsey is a shock it's actually funny. In the five-year mock draft, he went at his lowest available position, which was twenty-fourth. And I think he's and this was taken like very, very early January. So clearly, that's not going to happen now. Uh, but he's currently mocking around about the sixth or seventh spot. And that's the first round. I don't think there's any real shocks there, uh, and I don't think it would be shocking in you know six months' time, well, not even that long, four months' time. That those eleven players will will still be in the first round for the most part. So I think that's going to remain pretty standard uh, the only one potentially might fall out there is is chubb maybe kelsey but i don't know i think that's pretty consistent then we've got the next uh, tier so this is players consistently being mocked in the second round there's one here that's going to shock everyone um, and i'll explain why it is josh jacobs clyde butler uh deandre swift deandre hopkins stefan Dix, james robinson and austin Eckler, aaron jones dk Metcalf, and cam akers Start with Josh Jacobs. All of these mocks were done prior to Kenyon Drake signing with the uh, Raiders. And so as a result, that's something to take into consideration. It'd be interesting when we do this in April to see actually how far down he moves downboards. Because right now I don't have that data. He's consistently been going in the top 16 uh, of all mocks. Um, of all the mocks, he's never been lower than 16. So I expect that to change. A really interesting one is Clyde Ebertelaire. He started really high in mocks, um, and his price seems to be going continually down, to the point that now I would say he's actually a third-round pick, but he scored just high enough to remain in the in the average price of the second round. But I fully expect him to probably be a third-round pick. In the last uh, two mock drafts, for the Rankers, he's been going 34-32, and in the non-Rankers, he's been going 35-34. So tail end of the third round. So it's amazing how much Edward Hilaire's price has massively decreased despite the fact that they haven't bought in a replacement. And I think that's a fair price. We've talked about Clyde Edwards Edward Hilaire. We've talked about the fact that, you know, he's going to be behind a different offensive line. We don't know how that offensive line even looks yet. They didn't use him to the full potential and ability. We talked about this on the consistency episode. I think, you know, he he's one to really be cautious on and, you know, it wouldn't even shock me if we see him go into the fourth round. And we've got DeAndre Swift. He's consistently been going around uh, 13 to 16 in most mocks. So at one point, he was taken 31. I think he, he might have been missed off the board. Um, or people were just very low on him in January. I think that's a bit high. But, you know, I can easily see him being a second-round pick. I'm not sure if I would select him there, but that's fine. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins consistently going in, you know, the top... Uh, The top 18 picks. 18 is the lowest he's been picked. And in a couple of occasions, he's actually been picked at the tail end of the first round, but he's consistently mocking at the top end of the second. That makes sense. Uh, Middle of the second, Stefan Diggs. I don't think anyone's going to argue that those two are going to be second rounders. Interesting one here on James Robinson. Um, People potentially worried on... Robinson and is Hyde going to be someone who's going to take away touches. He's still mocking pretty considerably in the second round, going anywhere between picks 19 and 22. In the last uh, non-rankers draft, he went 26. I I expect him to be sort of in that tail end of the second round all day long. Austin Eckler is someone who consistently is being mocked at the tail end of the second round, although he has gone in the first round uh, twice in his data points. But he's, again, going to be top of the second, maybe tail end of the first round. But I expect him probably to be a second round player. Aaron Jones, there was some uncertainty as to where he was going to be, but now he's back in Green Bay. I expect him to be a top end of the second round. He might even sneak into the back end of the first round now. We know exactly what's going on with him. came Metcalf is a second round player, which I was shocked, but then it also makes sense. I kind of get it. Um, and that one is Cam Akers. His price has been going up really rapidly. Um, in January, uh, five-yard tr- crew had him at thirty one. Uh, the rankers had him at 28 in jan and the non-rankers had him at 35 and then actually now he's going 16 16 17 and 20 so something has happened between january and now where his price has gone up considerably i think it's a lot of people talking about how much they they like him so that's really interesting that he's um snuck into the second round since february and he's stayed there so it'd be interesting to see if he does third round so players that have come Uh, consistently being marked into the third round more often than not david montgomery calvin ridley mike evans patrick mahomes jk dobbins michael thomas aj brown joe mixon chris godwin george kittle antonio gibson keenan allen justin jefferson chris carson mike uh, miles sanders and darren waller right first qb off the board in the third round only qb off the board in third round patrick mahomes I keep saying this over and over again. I would never take QB in the third round and I don't care if it's Patrick Mahomes. It just doesn't make any sense. And especially this year of all years with what's going on with their offensive line. <laughs> no, no, not for me. Thanks very much. Uh, he's consistently going. The non-rankers had him 18, 22, 51. So they've kind of been fading him, but he's had a massive fade in that last draft. Since the Super Bowl, ironically, he goes from, you know, 22 to 51 uh, in terms of the Experts and 5-yard uh, crew. 5-yard crew had him at 21, but this was taken before the Super Bowl. The uh, Rankers have had him 25, 30, 30. Pretty consistent on that middle of the third round. Not for me. I Again, I've, I've kind of said this. Um, then we've got the two tight ends, George Kittle. I mean, everyone knows what Kittle can do. It's just a question of how uh, fit he's going to be. Uh, he was actually taken uh, in the first round in the non-rankers draft uh, in March, but consistently being mocked in the second and the third round. All the other times, uh, people buying too much into what is going to happen. What's going to happen if, if, if it's Mac Jones that's going to get the ball? Is that going to change anything? It's going to be interesting. Uh, what to do with him? Darren Waller. People have been rising up boards. Uh, as he finished and he's consistently going in the in the tail end of the third round. Again, not for, not for me. I just age profile, what the Raiders do. It's John Gruden. Yeah, okay, he did well last season, but I don't know. I just don't think for me, I'd be investing in, unless it's Kelsey. I don't want part of it, personally. Now we look at the running backs. So the running backs coming off the board here. David Montgomery is uh, being mocked consistently around about the back end of the 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 third round by the non-experts um not by the sorry by the rankers and by the non-rankers he's been going a bit higher actually in that sort of mid-second and to the last mocker was in the third. I think the third round's probably about right for David Montgomery. I don't I don't think he's a second round talent or pick, but you will get volume and opportunity there. Um JK Dobbins not for me. I just don't trust the run game in Baltimore quite as much, but people seem very consistent. He's been in the, he's had one second round, two second round, three second round selections and everything else has been to the uh, high to mid third round. I think it's a bit much. Michael Thomas, I think is the absolute steal, especially if James Winston is is quarterback. Now AJ Brown is an absolute steal. Joe Mixon's an absolute steal. uh, Players in this round, Calvin Ridley as well. Mike, Mike Evans, four top 12 finishes in the last five years. You know, all these players for me are, are very good value here. Antonio Gibson, I think, is great value here. Keenan, I think, is great value here. Justin Jefferson, great value. Chris Carson, I 100% understand. Miles Sanders, I think, is due a return in fortunes upwards this year. Now, Doug Pedersen has gone. Only player here that I feel a little bit down on a little bit is Chris Godwin. People seem to be slightly higher on Chris Godwin uh, than, than maybe I am. Uh, he's someone I probably think is a fourth round pick I wouldn't feel too comfortable especially if you can get players like Michael Thomas um, Keenan and Justin Jefferson uh, these are all players I would want these are all players I would want over over uh, Chris Godwin. I definitely would rather have Mike Evans than Chris Godwin, given the way that the Bucks offense happened. So I think, you know, for me looking at this tier, I think JK Dobbins is a reach. I think Mahomes is a reach. I think any QB is a reach. I think Kittle potentially, but I get it. I think Darren Waller is a reach. Those are players I'd be weary of in round three. This group of round four, I think, is absolutely superb. And I, can't, I don't have anything wrong. If you get any of these players in the fourth round, I 100% get it. Adam Phelan, Kenny Golladay, Terry McLaurin, Alan Robinson, DJ Moore, Julio Jones, CD Lamb, Amari Cooper. Only question mark though is Golladay and whether he's fit. But in in the Giants offense, where he's going to be the number one receiver, yeah, go on. I'll have that all day long. We know that Danny Dimes will sling the rock and have a problem. Uh, Adam Phelan was great last year, even if he is maybe not going to be the prime receiver. They've only got two guys on that offense. They're both going to eat. Um, Terry McLaurin, absolutely yes, please. Uh, Alan Robinson, he's you know, recession-proof. he will do fine with Dalton. DJ Moore, I think, is going to get more work this year. Julio Jones, I mean, just with whatever he's been able to achieve in his career, it might be some injury concerns and in age there, but to get him in the fourth round, I mean, you've never been able to get Julio Jones in the fourth round. I'd definitely be buying that. I'll be buying Lamb. He was so good in the opening five games of the season under Dak. People forget that. People forget how good he was. Uh, and Amari Cooper as well. So I've got no problem with with any of those. Let's go to the fifth round. Um, Ronald Jones, Cooper Cup, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Juju Smith-Schuster, Robert Woods, Melvin Gordon, and Deontay Johnson. This is such an interesting tier. Such an interesting tier. Because there's some players here I think absolutely all day long. And some players I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, Ronald Jones, no, not for me. Ronald Jones is there's one score here that's benefiting, there's two scores really that are pushing him up in there. The early rounds, uh, given to the non rankers, put him uh, slightly higher than he potentially was who's going sort of uh, back end of the third round. And I think uh, that was, you know, without knowing what was going to happen with Fournette and another running back, I think with Fournette there, you probably, you'll see him slide down the next month. It wouldn't surprise me to see him in the sixth. And I think if you get him in the sixth, I'd I'd be more inclined to invest there given he will have standalone ability there, but I don't think he's elite enough to go in the fifth round. Um, Cooper Cup all day long. I think he's going to be great with, uh, Stafford there. Josh Allen. I keep talking about this that you're gonna potentially have to go up and get quarterbacks in the fifth round now. So Josh Allen Lamar Jackson make complete sense. Um absolutely love getting these guys here, especially if you're gonna get them tail end of the fifth. Mark Andrew's not for me. I don't want a tight end uh that's not um Travis Kelsey this high, throwing invest elsewhere. Juju Smith used to again, not now he's back in Pittsburgh, and I think a lot of people were Mocking him based on him being elsewhere. So it'd be interesting to see where his price goes, because again, this was all done before he re-signed with Pittsburgh for a year. And even though he was a top 24 receiver, um, give me Deontay Johnson. He's the one I would own. And I'm definitely happy to get him in the fifth round here. Uh, absolutely. Um, Robert Woods, love player. I think he's going to do great with Stafford and Melvin Gordon. I get there's absolutely no competition for him now, and it doesn't look like he's going to get that DUI. Yeah. Um, uh, charge against him, so he looks like he's going to uh, play um, from the start. So, again, in this tier, the only question marks me Ronald Jones, Mark Andrews, but absolutely love everyone else you can get here. This sixth round, I think, is the most fascinating of the bunch because I would buy all these players um, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson, yes, please, uh, DJ Chark whichever Trevor Lawrence, yeah, go on, I definitely. Sean Watson, obviously, he's the big question mark here of, you know, is he going to get? And this was all before we knew of how many charges were, uh, he was facing and the question marks there. So, you know, at the moment, it's six. Be interesting to see if he slides further in the April and, and May versions. Kyler Murray, yes, please. Courtland Sutton, yes, please. Odell Beckham Jr., yes, please. I'll take him in the sixth round. Why not? Um, I think he's definitely someone that is is someone who's of real interest there for me. So, yeah, I absolutely love uh, this tier of players are spitting out consistently in the sick round. Uh, that's all I really wanted to cover off, was just the first six rounds. And then, uh, actually, I will cover off the, the rookies. So the last mocks had uh, rookies. Uh, so let me tell you about the rookies and where they're going currently. So I'm just pulling them up here on the screen. So let's talk about all the rookies. The um, number one rookie off the board in uh, both drafts was Najee Harris. Najee Harris was taken uh, very early in the uh, rankers mark. He was taken in the uh, first pick of the third round uh, in the non-rankers draft. He was actually taken in the fifth round. um, And Travis Etienne went five picks after him in the non-rankers draft. In the Rankers draft, he went in the fourth round. Um, Next pick was Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase went in the fifth round in the Rankers draft. He went in the sixth round in the non-Rankers. Devontae Smith was the next one off the board in the uh, Rankers draft. and He went 73rd overall, um, which was interesting. Uh, The next one in the non-Rankers draft was Kenneth Gainwell. He went 87 overall. And actually, he went 87 overall in the Rankers draft as well. But the next two in the Rankers draft were Jalen Waddell and Rashad Bateman. And obviously, we don't know where these players are playing yet. So it was definitely clear that the Rankers were very aggressive on on these rookies. Uh, Ronda Moore went 94th overall. Devontae Smith actually went 93rd overall in the non-Rankers draft. And then Kyle Pitts went 89th in the non-Rankers draft. And he is uh, 105th here in the Rankers draft. So that's who we're kind of expecting around the top 100. Rondell Moore went 104th in the non-rankers draft. So these are the kind of guys we we'll would be expecting in the top 100 picks. I'll go from again: Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Sharp Bateman, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, Tillon Wallace, Rondell Moore, Kyle Pitts. They're the kind of guys we're expecting will go in the top 100 picks of these uh, of 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 these drafts for next year. Obviously, landing spots and everything could could change that. Uh, other ones that were drafted, um, Tuba Hubbard. Tuba Hubbard was drafted. 112th um, overall in the rankers, 108th in the non-rankers. Uh, Terence Marshall, 127th in the rankers, 131st in the non-rankers. So you can see these are pretty consistent, considering that you know these two groups are completely different. The only consistent person in both of these is me, and I didn't take him in, in either of these. Uh, Jamal Jefferson running back, 129th rankers, 145th non-rankers. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, very consistent, 135th in the rankers, 132nd in the non-rankers. Michael Carter was a bit of a difference. Uh, non-rankers had him at 103, uh, rankers had him at 136. Um, and then these next six players were only taken in one of the drafts and not the other. So uh, Diami Brown, wide receiver, uh, he was taken 162 in the Rankers Draft. Um, Ramonde Stevens Stevenson 177. Uh, Demetric Felton was taken 179 in the Rankers Draft. In the non-Rankers Draft, um, no, those last three weren't taken in the non-Rankers Draft. They took instead uh, Killen Hill, who's running back 137th overall. Justin Fields, um, 176th overall. Um, I think based on the discussion I had earlier in this episode, I'm not sure that's going to remain the case. Uh, and Puka Williams, who is a player I, I really like. Um, be interesting to see if he does get drafted, but he's going 192 uh, in the non-rankers draft. That will pretty much cover it. Just some interesting points there. So um, we'll do this exercise again. It will start off next week for the rankers and non-rankers. Um, this data will be available to our patrons, um, and I'm going to share this out with them uh, relatively shortly. And it will also be available to those who buy the 2021 playbook. Um, so, the 2021 playbook is nearly written. I'd say we're probably about 85 90% written. Um, just a final few bits of uh, fancy content to go in there. Stocks has done all of its profiles. Finishing up the PS of have all the data, just got to write some more commentary on it and then gonna do some breakdowns of the top 60 players. So fancy playbook, yeah, it will be out in May. Uh, we'll give you more details and due course on that. But yeah, this data will be available in, in there and it will be available um yeah, on in our Patreon page. So uh you sign up to that, you'll get access to this data. very interesting uh data just to obviously see what other people are doing uh and where they're drafting as well but wanted to get this out to you um, and get you something out this week. Um, apologies. It's not with me and stocks. We'll be back uh, next week and we'll be doing something hopefully very exciting, um, but uh, fingers crossed. We can make that happen. But yeah, again, apologies for the delay this week. I hope you've enjoyed the, this episode. And I'm sorry, it's been me talking at you, but I hope you've been able to get some really good insight from this and uh, yeah, feel free to reach out to me at Murph underscore. NFL for any questions and queries but until next week I hope you all have a wonderful Easter break enjoy the four day break Uh, remember to stay safe, wash your hands keep that distance Um, COVID uh, won't defeat us and we will be back to normal life within the next three or four months, hopefully sooner, get those jabs Um, I've had mine and uh, look forward to getting my next one on June the 1st but until the, we're over the other side at Easter, eat those chocolate eggs and don't forget, keep brushing.
0: We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health.